Dear Mother, I hope you are keeping well and not worrying too much about me. You mustn't think that any of us are going to be killed, for they are collecting such a force here that an attack would be insane. The Massachusetts men passed through here this morning. How grand it is to meet the men from all the states, east and west, down here ready to fight for their country, as the old fellows did in the revolution. But this time, we must make it a whole country, for all who live here. Alright folks, welcome to the Man Cave Movie Review, the podcast that reviews the good, the bad, and the ugly of movies for men. This is episode 179, and we are going to be talking about Glory. This great and fantastic film stars Matthew Broderick, Morgan Freeman, Denzel Washington, and Carrie... I never can pronounce his name. Elwes. 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 Thank you very much, because you know what? If anybody's going to foobar our name, it's me. Mm. I am your host, Steve Michaels, and joining me is my very good and dear friend, Mark Bonnie Prince Charlie Slover. Oh, look at this. Bonnie Prince Stevie, <laughs> are you a gentleman? Are you a member of Congress or something? Or are you the bloody Prince of Poland? <laughs> I should be. Oh, very well done. Nice. Like it. And also joining us is our very good and dear friend, Ken. Let me tickle you with my bayonet, Roni. I wasn't sure I was going to make it tonight. I was out savoring watermelons, and my, my horse came up lame. Oh, my God. But were you wearing a very nice cocked hat with a, a lovely ostrich feather always plume? Do, always. That's the only way you can savor watermelons. Oh, well, my I, gosh. You could put on zoo-off pants, too. But yeah, I but then you just become a ditch genie. Yeah. <laughs> There's a there's a few of our listeners they may actually understand that yeah. that reference. Yeah. Hey, look, ditch genies, ditch genies. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh gosh! All right, guys. Um, sorry to say, but other very good dear friend, uh, Mr. Jeff, is unable to be here tonight because he is engaged in. Uh, is he in Chicago? He's building another brick in the wall. He is hearing David Gilmore in Chicago. Yes. Yeah. One of his favorite iconic bands, David Gilmore, one of the front men, is playing up there. Yeah. And he completely forgot he had tickets until yesterday. Of course he did. Of course he did. Yeah. I mean, you know, everybody else would know they had tickets to see uh, David Gilmore like, you know, months in advance. But right. he just let us know yesterday. Oh, right. by the way. Yeah. The only thing that would have made that better is if he'd completely forgotten. And then woke up tomorrow after he'd done the podcast. <laughs> that would have been a bit more. Or Epic. in the middle of the podcast where all yes. of a sudden you hear this like blood curling scream. That would have been it. <laughs> yeah. Shit. Yeah. Oh, gosh. All right. So, guys, we're going to be talking about Glory. And this is a, what, 1991? 89. Oh, God. This was 89? I didn't realize it was 89. Really? Gosh, really? Oh, good Lord. Uh, but this is about the, uh, uh, the formation of the 54th Massachusetts, uh, the first, uh, uh, colored regiment or Negro regiment, uh, was formed during the Civil War. And Mark, I believe you said this is the, the movie that, uh, inspired you to get into reenacting, correct? 
Yeah, this this was the movie. I think for a lot of people, this was you know Gettysburg got a lot of people in it, but for me, Glory um, and our good and dear friend Granny Spangler, yep. you know, th- this was a movie <laughs> that you you walked out of, and it is it is it is a very powerful movie on a lot of levels, and it hits a lot of uh, emotional and uh, thought provoking. It's a very, it's a very well crafted movie. It's, I will, I will say that it is a gem of a movie and it, it still holds up and it's one of my favorites. There are not many movies I would say that are done in the Civil War period that I find that I will, I, I enjoy, um, for various reasons, but Glory is an exception. It, and it, it, in my mind, it is an exceptional movie on many levels. And we'll get into that. Yeah. And, um, I mean, just so you know that, uh, the IMDb intro to this, uh, great and fantastic film is Robert Gould Shaw, who is the colonel of this regiment. He leads the U.S. Civil War's first all-black volunteer company fighting prejudice of both his own army and the Confederates. <laughs> and I, a, a fair description. I, yeah. I, I would say with the Confederacy, yeah. it might be a little more than prejudice, yeah. but a L- little bit more than prejudice. But that that's okay. But I, I, the thing that got me about this movie, and uh, Mark, we've talked about this in the past. And this is you know old history between us. But when you when you when you think of Matthew Broderick, I mean, all all you think about is uh, Ferris Bueller, and that's it. But is in this movie, he is the spitting image oh. of Robert Gould Shaw. I mean, right. it's like creepy, <laughs> scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, uh, Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain, that role was yep. crafted yep. Um, for one actor, and Matthew Broderick was born for this role. Yeah, exactly. And, and he does, uh, and, you know, I, what I also give Matthew Broderick, and we'll get into this with actors, a lot of credit for is he really demonstrated because as you noted Ferris Bueller a lot of comedic roles he really demonstrated um a great range of subtlety and pathos in a dramatic role mm-hmm. um and presented himself this is another good movie about um, leadership. I think you could even look at this movie from an example of yes, um, the concept of leadership and leading by example. And he he does he does the I think he does honor to and credit to um, Robert Gould Shaw. Well, Mark, you know, and that's a good point to bring about about the leadership role in this movie is because you see where him and Carrie Elvis. Elvis. I mean, these were boyhood friends, and uh, gosh, I can't remember the uh, uh, the black soldier's name that joined up. They grew up together. He was the Thomas. Fr- Thomas, Thomas yeah. who was the who was the free black man. They grew up together, but once that regiment got formed, he had to assume the role of the colonel. Right, and there was no more fraternization. It wasn't Robert. It wasn't no. It's Colonel. You have to, I mean, it, everything changed. And you saw that dynamic of, uh, and not so much even with Thomas, but even with uh, uh, Carrie Ewell's character, he had the most, or he had the hardest time dealing with um, Shaw's character. 
It's like, you know, these are our friends. And he's like, no, they're soldiers. They yeah. have to learn how to fight. They have to learn what they need to do. We can't treat them any different than we would white soldiers. We have to treat them the same. And that was a very, very interesting dynamic. And you saw the strain that it put on the friendships, which yeah. I thought was really interesting. Now, and yes, and we'll we'll just preface this, that is this 100% historically accurate? Is this a documentary? No. Were, were characters combined? Were uh, events telescoped or changed somewhat? Um, are there inaccuracies in that sense? Yes, but is it a very good telling of, you know, and were some things played up more, diminished more? Yes, but did did it did it tell the story, and did it encapsulate in the 54th Massachusetts um, a, a good understanding of the changing dynamic of the war with the enlistment and creation of what are known as USCT regiments, United States Colored Troops, and those dynamics that were changing this country as the war changed from a war for the restoration of the Union to, following the Emancipation Proclamation, the war to end slavery, and then to include black soldiers um, in the fighting. And, and I think those tensions and those dynamics that occurred you know, uh, across the spectrum throughout the entire war, and there's been tons of books written on it. I think this movie does that very respectfully to for all parties, and I think it handles it with with nuance, and it it does not beat it does not have one or two particular agendas. It does not beat people over the head. Right. It allows it allows the story, the narrative, to to uh, inform and make people realize or teach without without jamming it down their throats some of the uh, a sense of the issues that were facing this country and individuals um, who were fighting in the war something that occurred to me when I was watching this is you know I, I remember when this came out and it sort of came out of the blue yeah it, as I remember it like it wasn't getting a lot of press and there wasn't really a demand for it. And it came out, and it was such a powerful movie, and it you know, you know, it was highly regarded. <clears throat> you mentioned a few minutes ago. Well, you know, Gettysburg was you know a good movie in a lot of ways. Well, I'll I'll sit there and say right now that Gettysburg wouldn't have been made if Glory had to come out and done what Glory exactly. did. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It greenlit Gettysburg. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but help me if you would. Bef- you know, this came out in '89. For like 20 years before that, aside from a few things that were sort of incidental, like maybe like Outlaw Josie Wales, how many Civil War movies were made in this country that got any attention? I don't remember any. I have to think back um, to like the 60s and 50s. Like the, you know. the things that came out, and I remember these that did come out, were, and they were awful, awful. And they came out, I think the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, were miniseries based on like the John Jake series, the Blue and the Gray. Yes. And the North and the South, which are horrendous. I mean, that's where, um, oh God, uh, Dirty Dancing. 
Patrick Swayze. Patrick, Patrick yeah. Swayze yeah. was in Blue and the Gray, or North and South. I can't remember. They're, they all overlap. And there's a sidebar, great story. Granny Spangler, God love him, one of our dearest friends. He was one of the extras. I think they were filming down in Alabama or some such. And they dug out trenches. And they're all sitting there between takes, and it's hot and it's miserable, and they're just waiting because that's what you do. And there's trenches for the Petersburg lines on both sides. And this was when um, Miller Lite had their great <laughs> tag, and I'll get to it. Um, you know what I'm going to say. And some some bright soul, he can't recall, Yank or Reb, all of a sudden started chanting from one of the entrenchments, one of the lines, Tastes great. And the other side stick up. Less filling. Tastes great. Less filling. And the production people went ape shit because Confederates and Yanks are chanting beer slogans back at each other. Um, because they're bored. Never give reenactors who are bored something to do. Not, nothing to do because they'll find something to do. But I think you're right. I mean, I'm trying to remember. Um, you know, there was a John Wayne movie with Rock Hudson, The Undefeated. Yeah, I'm thinking like Shenandoah. Shenandoah with with, uh, the Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart, yes. Red Badge of Courage, but that was that was more that was Audie Murphy, like uh, early. Yeah. So yeah, there was really nothing, and part of it is I I give reenacting credit for providing extras as well as authentic weapons and uniforms and Mm -hmm. people who understood drill. Um, because if you look at those 1960s movies, they're oh, painful. Oh yeah. Well, that's the thing. They're Mar- yeah, you're absolutely right. When you watch Glory and uh, Gettysburg, you could see it's like, yeah, the the reenact. You, you know who the reenactors are versus the actors. Right. But you also notice, at least in that case, in in this period, people are by and by and large. I will make a generalization. Uniformed, accoutred, and equipped properly versus yes. the 1960s where everybody's got cross sabers and yes. stripes yeah. and plumage and beautiful plumage and <laughs> all, all sorts of awfulness. Well, that was a, <laughs> a thing about this movie when it hit that I really respected. I mean, you guys did too, is the authenticity and the attention to detail they put into it. The battle scenes and such were, you know, now I'm sure you can make a case like, well, they wouldn't have done quite that or the other. Right. But like compared to everything that had ever come before, I can still remember talking to people for years after this about the, you know, this had an impact on me. I mean, really made me respect the, the, the troops in the Civil War because we're going like, I realize, you know, I don't think I could stand there and just shoot it out for a while and then, you know, launch bayonets and go at them. That's that's yeah. brutal fighting, but yeah. these guys did it over and over again. Yeah. Well, uh, another thing I think I'm going to apologize to the listeners is we are all geeks on this thing, so if we wander off into the weeds on <laughs> details or something, please excuse us. Uh, and one final point before I get out is you were con- both of you were talking a few minutes ago about Matthew Broderick's role in this. Obviously, he's you know he plays the top officer. I'm not going to say he's the lead. Uh, I mean, this has a very strong cast, and he probably is the most, I mean, he has probably the most lines. He probably gets the most screen time, but this is about the other people. And right. again, they, they focus on about four or five of the enlisted men 
uh, you know, Matthew Broderick, Denzel Washington's character, uh, Andre uh, Brower. Yeah, Andre Brower, Jimmy and, Kennedy. Yeah, they, 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 you know, they were the microcosm of this entire regiment. I mean, we had a small group of people standing in and each of those enlisted men came to this from a different place with different attitudes and different struggles. Uh, but the thing about Matthew Broderick, which I really appreciated about this was, you know, he was known up till then as, you know, Ferris Bueller or the teenage, you know, computer geek in war, di- war games. Right. I really like the fact that they cast him in this because, you know, you're right. He does look just like Robert Gould Shaw. But in the Civil War, it was full of like 22 year old colonels and generals. I mean, they were nothing. And then all of a sudden, boom, 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 they run up, you know, Everybody, you know, if you can prove yourself, you got promoted. And well, and also, very young men rose to high level. And combat was a great way to get promoted. <laughs> right. It was. Well, I mean, if you had what it took, you were noticed. Well, that well and also, if the guys ahead of you got shot down, well, Captain, yeah, you're Lieutenant Colonel today. What? Right. Yeah, you don't even get major. Yeah. Congratulations. Right. And it was a thing I respected about this. You know, I beef about what I'm about to say all the time. But, you know, I've got a major gripe whenever I'm watching some movie that takes place in the past and, you know, like, all the people look like they just stepped out of the Hollywood gym. They're all talking like they just are hanging out at a sushi bar. (laughs) You know, the hair is modern hair. The, you know, the attire is, you know, you know, fits a modern audience. They took great care to make these people, I mean, they sound like they're from a different era. They look like they're from a different era. Yes. But they're, still, they, they, they're still recognizable as Americans and, you know, so on. And there's, you know, again, you're, you're trying, you're trying to encapsulate things, but even some of the 19th century mores, they capture some of that. They give you that feel of other world of this is a different era. And, and Steve can attest to this. When, when we used to reenact, we would tell people, you know, you can't judge Please don't judge the 19th century person, the soldier or whomever, by your late 20th century values or your 21st century values. You can't, you, you're doing them an injustice and, and you're demonstrating your lack of willingness to learn. Because it was a different period of time completely. That doesn't mean it was right or wrong. That, that's just, it, 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 it just was. Period. People knew, people quote, new unquote different things than they know now right right you know it it's and when i used to to reenact and teach um at, at various civil war sites um you know one of the things that we would point out is you know usct united states colored troops that was not that was not a derogatory statement at the time no to to say things like that was not um, out of order, and it was it was considered to be the way the best form of address. So those those types of um, I, I appreciate that they took they took care with those types of little details um, and were respectful of the material um, because they could have easily just said we're going to PC this up. Um, and I shudder to think what this movie would be like if it was made today. Um, because it 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 is you're right it you make a good point it Matthew Broderick is the colonel 
but he it's almost it's really an ensemble cast movie it is um with with great actors and i i know we'll get into that but very strong actors and when you think about it a lot of these guys were were fairly young in their careers yeah fairly unknown yeah had had a couple good roles i think you know you could say that matthew broderick and morgan freeman and carrie elwes to a a degree because of Princess Bride were, were known, but um, you you look at this, it it is an impressive cast list of people who have gone on to do incredible work. We were just, Steve, I know you popped out real quick, we were just talking about, we kind of downshifted towards the actors because well, it is, we, we said it's a, it's an ensemble movie in many ways. Well, when you think about it, yeah, I mean, it's like you said, Morgan Freeman, Denzel Washington. I mean, these are these are giants of Hollywood now. Yeah, and, um, and I'll tell you what, the the one guy that is a standout, and we'll probably get back into this later when we do, uh, you know, top ten. But I mean, Denzel Washington's character in this movie is unbelievable. I mean, just spot on, very well done. Really liked him. Well, it earned him an Oscar. He did get an Oscar for it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, I would be, I would have been amazed if he didn't, because yeah. that was a, a spectacular performance by him. Yeah. Earned him an Oscar. Well, and you know, it, it, we might as well just talk about some of the other actors real quick. You know, Morgan Freeman does what Morgan. I think this set Morgan Freeman in many ways in that path of. What? What the? What? What are you doing? Dropping pistachios or something? How'd you know? <laughs> That's exactly what I just lucky guess. <laughs> yeah, Please stop it. <laughs> oh my god. We, have, we, we try to have standards on this podcast. <laughs> I apologize. You... I I didn't think that I thought I had the mic off. I know. Why don't you just go get a squeaky toy, Jeff? <laughs> Continue. <laughs> yes, I did. No, they were actually they were pistachios. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Wow. <laughs> I I I have a nuance to, for pistachios. It's the tinkling sound of the shells hitting. <laughs> I think that was it. <laughs> All right, continue. You. No, but um, you know, you think about this kind of set Morgan Freeman on the road to that kind of. I don't want to say typecast, but that kind of act character he's played many times before. That strong, staid, uh, rock of a character. Um, well, he plays that father role. I mean, yeah. he's yeah. he is That's the great. you know, like you said, like the leadership role. And what you saw in that movie, they gave him. Oh my, my God! You know, he got about the highest leadership role you can get as non commissioned officer. Well, and you couldn't be an officer. You no, right. blacks were black. Blacks were not allowed to command to not to be officers. Right. Um. You know, all all USCT regiments were were officered by whites. Um, yeah, and, you know, I love that line because I'm not sure if I want this hotter, sir. <laughs> we've heard that, we've heard that before. Yes, haven't <laughs> we? Um, but yeah, he does such a great job of, and he plays off of Denzel Washington. You know, Denzel Washington plays the angry young man. And Morgan Freeman plays the wiser old soul who's, who's seen life yeah. in, in many ways. Been there, done that. Yeah, and then you've got, I, I, and I really, I tell you, I, the two of the other actors I really like, and I love their characters, are 
Andre Brower as Thomas, who's the educated free black, and um, you know, on the opposite end, and they've got their tropes. I mean, we've got the four kind of corners of the angry, the angry man, the wise old man, the educated man, and then the big-hearted, not terribly bright field hand, right? Played by you know Jupiter Sharks, you know Jimmy Kennedy. And, and that's not taking anything away from Jimmy Kennedy. What a wonderful! I really love that role because he is so earnest. He 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 he, ha, he is the heart of of the characters. He just wants to do what's right, and he knows deep down that he's doing something special. And he right. may not understand the big picture, but he he knows why he's here. That this is important for him. And then you've got Carrie Elwes, who kind of plays the counterpoint to Matthew Broderick. Of the humanizing, yeah, I'm, you know, he is what there were many Civil War officers who, you know, would go into battle with a saber in one hand and a bottle in the other. Um, but, but he's a good man deep down. He's just, he, he's, he's just kind of scared, <clears throat> but he's not going to run away from his, do, his friend. But he's also very confused because now, they can't, their relationship has changed. And I think Carrie Elwes does a very good job of demonstrating that frustration and anger, um, at, at how circumstances have changed the dynamic of the, of the friendship that the three, the three of them have early in the movie with, um, Shaw himself and, uh, Adrian, Andre Brower's character. So, you know, I, and I kind of have monopolized this part of the conversation, then I'll shut up. But I, I really was impressed with those those actors for how they took their roles and didn't turn them into tropes. No, they all were unique people. Uh, no, I mean, that, if anything, uh, Andre Brower's, you know, uh, private uh, Thomas Searles is a... Uh, Painfully or obnoxiously educated person. Yeah. I mean, I mean, to the point where like, dude, tone it down. I mean, I mean, but he just can't help it. That's who he is. And it was something that deserves a little attention. Uh, I'm sure you guys liked him. I, you know, his, uh, gentleman named John Finn, he played Sergeant Major Mulcahy. <laughs> For listeners, he might as well be, you know, Gunnery Sergeant O. Uh, Hartman, you know, see, the, the cruel, vulgar Irish drill sergeant. But his job is to get these people whipped into shape, and he doesn't have much time to do it. Right? And he's not. He's not nice about it. And, and also, he, it goes the guy back to, is the guy is great in that role. Yeah, he know he's got a job, and he's going to do it. Well, and there's that great scene when. Um, Shaw calls, you know, calls him up and said, uh, aren't, aren't you being a little harsh? And I mean, and the, and the thing I loved about that, that thing where he never looked at Shaw, he just looked straight ahead. Yep. And then finally, when Shaw said, he goes, you can speak freely. And that's when he turned and looked at me, he goes, the lad's a friend of yours, isn't he? And he's like, yeah. So I, I grew up with him. We'll let him grow up some more. Yes. And then he turned and looked away and said, sure. Is there anything else? 
<laughs> like, I mean, he saluted. Oh he yeah, was always very proper. Very proper. I mean, that was that was the thing that got me about that. That that was a great scene. It's like one of my favorite scenes. Yep. Because I mean, again, Shaw's not Shaw is not a professional soldier. I mean, no, he's a volunteer. He's a volunteer. He, but but the difference is, is that they did show throughout the the movie. Um, he he was a volunteer. He got his position because of his family and everything else. But he took his role seriously. Yeah. Well, he he had already seen combat. I right. Mean, he was at Antietam and got yeah. shot up. You know. Right. For his troubles. Right. And he knew he knew what they were going to be getting into. Right, and I'll tell you what. Let and, and I, we're we're just going to jump around on this on this movie, folks. But the the one thing that you really saw that in, remember when they first got their muskets assigned to them, uh, and they're out there doing target practice, and you know you've got uh, faster, yeah, you know, faster, faster. I mean, you know, Carrie Ulis is just like, yeah, just do whatever. Yeah. And he walks up and is like, nope, you're not doing it right. Yeah. And when he pulls his pistol. When he pulls that pistol, he starts firing rounds faster. Fa- and that, and you could see that one dude's like, right to shit his pants. Yeah. And, and yeah. he goes back to the, uh, to carry, um, Elvis. Is that yeah, Elvis? Yeah. Carry Elvis, Elvis and said, train them right. This Teach is, them I, properly, Major. Yeah, exactly. Teach them properly. I mean, it's to him, this is not a joke. This is not make believe. Well, and you see it short a few scenes later, you see why he was so adamant. Right. Right. Well, be, and also I'll just This movie starts with a short you know, vignette of the Battle of Antietam, where again uh, you know, Captain Shaw's at the, he, I don't know if he's a captain, he might be a lieutenant, but he's at, at the head of a body of troops advancing on the Confederates. And they do a very good job of immediately getting you in the mood. This is the Civil War. This is how they're fighting. Uh, and showing what a real, you know, debacle can look like. And he finds himself in the middle of this defeat. Uh, again, you know, you, again, I'm not going to get all history. Okay. Yeah, Antietam was technically okay. Maybe it was a Union victory, but his little part of it was a defeat. His yeah. unit got shot up and, you know, ran and he, you know, I don't know where it went. So he knew what was coming for his troops and he knew that if, you know, he couldn't relax. He couldn't pull, pull punches or show favoritism. He had to get these guys ready because it was a matter of life or death. And that is the way the Civil War was. I mean, man, it's, it's, and again, that goes with this movie. Yeah, I mean, that's you know, what I read about. And time and time again, you could, you know, veteran units versus green units or well-trained units, you know, sidebar, as you mentioned, you know, uh, a classic example is John Gibbon trained up the Iron Brigade, the 2nd, 6th, 7th, Wisconsin, and 19th Indiana, had really not been in combat until Bronner Farm, which was right before 2nd Bull Run, and they have to square off against the Stonewall Brigade, and it's literally a dogfight between a fence row um, as one, one man, man in the 19th Indiana described it. And, you know, they'd never been as a brigade in a fight before in mass, all of them. And they stood toe to toe because they had been well trained. And, and I think that's demonstrated well by Shaw. Um, even if they're green troops, if I train them well and you don't think, and you remember that, Steve, you don't think, you just do. 
you don't think, you just do, you do what you're trained to do, right. then then at least at least you have that to fall back on. And if you have good leadership and you've had that instilled in you, you at least give them the opportunity versus green troops who have not been well trained to to stand their first test. And that's what Shaw is trying to do. And he also has the pressure of he has to prove that these black soldiers can fight. Because people don't believe that blacks can fight and are equal to whites. Right. In any respect, let alone combat. So he's got all of that pressure on him of, you know, the governor appoints him. He's given a volunteer regiment. He, and also they're his men. He really doesn't want to get them slaughtered. So yeah, you're, you, you both, you both make excellent points. He's, he's, he is pushing himself harder than anybody because he knows what the stakes are. Well, that that's just it. I mean, with him, the stakes are really high because, like you said, I mean, he is commanding a regiment of uh, black troops that nobody thinks can do the job. Right. And his name and reputation are online. So that's... And so are theirs. Because if yeah. he fails with them, it will be very difficult to to raise and have people believe that um, USCT regiments or black volunteer regiments from the states can can stand and are as good as white troops in combat. Right. Yeah. It. It. I. And again, I think you know this movie is another example, and we've said it. It. It provides a very good example of the dynamics of leadership all the way down to the NCOs. You know, Morgan Freeman does a great job as a, as the senior sergeant. Um, and you know, he, he has some great lines and some great interactions because again, he's one of his men there. And there's also that gulf between white officers and black soldiers. Culturally, they're different. Their experiences are different. How they view the world is different. And again, that's very nuanced in this movie it's 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 not handled in a bludgeon you over the head of right versus wrong it's this is just a dynamic that's that both sides have to learn how to interact with one another and morgan freeman plays that bridge very well between the the, the men of the of the 54th and the officers right yeah i tell you what he is the guy that um that is really kind of the glue of this movie is Morgan Freeman. That's and, a good point. Yeah, and, That's a great point. he he really does. I mean, he does. Well, no, you made the point. I mean, he is the bridge. Um, because there are, which is completely understandable. It's like you know, why are we fighting? You know, why are we? Well, you know, we we signed up. We're going to do this, and you're going to pay us less than the white troops. Um, you're you're kind of treating us like dirt. It it was almost I think for them, um, was this almost a like a propaganda thing? Yeah, we're gonna raise some union troops, but we're gonna have you doing the same thing you did as slaves. You know, doing manual labor, that type of thing. Except you're gonna wear wear a blue coat. But Shaw gets them in the combat, which is what they want. They want to get out there to prove themselves. Right. And and they do. They perform. They do what is expected of them, and they go out there and they, you know, and they do. I mean, they they kick some ass. 
And they're, they're also committed to a, a, let's just call it what it is, a minor sideshow of the war. Now, yes, yeah. Battery Wagner, the Carolinas, but, but it is a sideshow. So, right. you know, they could easily be overlooked, and that's kind of, they're shunted off, but they they do get their opportunity. And well, that that is, the, uh, uh, you know, a neat scene where they, they go out and they have their, their first big battle, and Shaw's riding back, thinking, like, I finally, I've proved my troops, I'll get the word out, and people will see that, you know, the righteousness of what we're doing here. And then that reporter comes up and says, boy, did you hear? Big battle at Gettysburg, Gettysburg. Vicksburg fell. You know, and it's, it's like, you know, I'll get the word out, you know, maybe, maybe later, I'll, maybe, you know. Yeah. It's like, dang, you know, can't, can't yeah. win or lose. Yeah. The right. Carolinas ain't, ain't where it's happening. Right. No. But also they, they would not take this unit and put it in the front lines on, you know, no. Army of the Potomac because no. it, it was, it was seen, I mean, for, for various reasons, a lot of people didn't have faith in this. And that was the thing about, this movie is it's the first, you know, first time I can remember any movie highlighting or even acknowledging the existence of the colored troops in the Civil War, yeah. which was very important for all kinds of reasons. Yep. And, you know, up till then, they were just ignored. Like you said, I mean, in movies like Shenandoah or The Horse Soldiers or whatever, it didn't even get on the radar screen. No, not at all. No, I agree. Uh, favorite scenes. What do you guys think? Ken? I'm going to say the first battle scene. Really? Yeah. I mean, you know, they've gone through everything they've gone through. They've been wanting to prove themselves. And then it's like, can they? And it showed them, it showed the chaos of battle, the, the, you know, the running back and forth, the first blood, the fighting. And it, as I said earlier, it called to mind to me just really how, how emotionally tough it was. I mean, it's never tough to be a soldier in any war, but the way they fought in the Civil War, that was tough. And these guys stood there and took it. And they, you know, it did a good job of showing what these guys were about. Man, that's just a scene. There's a lots of scenes that were very good. How about you guys? Um, the scene, and I, I, I'll, I'll just be unabashed about it. It, it always puts a lump in my throat. And part of it is James Horner's score, which is brilliant, and we'll touch on that later. It's prior to the assault on Battery Wagner, when Robert Gould Shaw rides off for a moment from his regiment, yep. and he just stands and looks out. Yeah. He looks out at the ocean. Yeah. Because he knows this is a forlorn hope. Yeah, he knows he's going to die. Yeah, the odds of them getting through this are bad. You know. Yeah, yeah. You just look at it. Even in, yeah, just the scene that you saw on the on the movie screen, you're going like, "There's no way." Right. It, it, this is bad. Yeah. And and he he's he's you know he's savoring that moment, and then he goes back to the reporter, and he says, "You know, if I should fall, will you see that these letters get to my family?" And then he goes. And says, you know, if this man, you know, I, Andre Brower is wounded and he's the color bearer of the national colors. And he says, if this man falls, who will stand? Or another man, and Andre Brower steps up actually as the wounded soldier. He says, if this man falls, who will take the colors? And Andre Brower steps up. And that cements that 
divide between them that had existed throughout the movie. Um, it is, it is such, it is such a powerful scene. It, there is so much impact and it talks in, without a lot of dialogue. It, it really encapsulates, um, the, the 19th century, a lot of concepts that are alien to the 21st century of honor, right. duty, loyalty, unit integrity, and it, it does it in such a very powerful yet subtle way. And it, obviously it, it's still, it's one of those, it's one of those, um, yeah, I got something in my eye moments. It's just an yep. amazing piece yep. of film. Nope, and I, I give I give a lot of credit to Matthew Broderick because he does he 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 does such an amazing job and doesn't have to say much. No, nope, absolutely. What do you think? What do you think, Steve? Well, I tell you what. The one scene that I really did like that kind of choked me up. Same thing with you is. Um, actually, it was a scene when Morgan Freeman had to get between Denzel Washington and, um, oh, gosh, I can't remember the other guy's name. It was right before this battle when, you know, he said, you know, you're so full of hate, you just want to fight everyone. Oh, you yeah. Know? And there's, you know, all these guys, you know, all the, you know, you, you hate all the white guys, but you know what? They're dying by the thousands. And I know because I dug the graves. And that whole scene where he actually kind of puts, when you got, if anybody's not seen the movie, I mean, Denzel Washington, you know where the guy's coming from. The guy's just full of hate, which, trust me. Justified. Justified. Totally understand where this guy's coming from. But Morgan Freeman just says, all right, look, this is what we're fighting for. Turn your hate towards the right side, not in every direction. Because that's basically where he was coming from. I mean, he was just lashing out at everyone. And it's like, no, you have to point it in the right direction. And I thought that was a very, very important scene. Um, which, which, like I said, I mean, I, I really think that showed his leadership abilities. Because he was the one I think that everybody kind of looked to. Again, maybe because, you know, Morgan Freeman's old. Maybe the, we always look at the old guys for the wisdom. But, I mean, he definitely, um, he definitely had that air about him. So, that was my favorite scene. Yeah. And, and well, there's so that, many good scenes. Yeah. And, there, and there's a bunch of others. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's, uh, you know, the shoe scene. Oh, well, <laughs> well, the scene when Shaw goes in the quartermaster's office. Well, let me see. Let me see if I can find where you might have misplaced them. <laughs> he just yeah. starts tearing a place apart. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, when he musters them in the driving rain and informs them yep. that, you know, if, if, if anyone wishes to resign, they may because the Confederacy has basically put a bounty on them. Right. Well, and like I said, I mean, there's there's a bunch of different scenes. We can all say that are our favorites, but I mean, I, that was that one with Morgan Freeman. Well, let's put yeah. this: anytime Morgan Freeman can go on a rant, that that's my favorite scene. So <laughs> there you go. That's one of my favorites. So, 
Um, all right. Well, there you go. That's uh, we've talked the hell about, about this movie. So, um, guys, mm-hmm. are we there? Is it about that time for uh, brother? What you drinking? If you say so, boss. All right. All right, folks. Well, there we go. We are now moving on to Brother What You Drinking. Mr. Mark, kick it off. I am enjoying, because the weather took a bloody cold turn. No shit. You too? Oh, my God, yes. We've always said, if you stay in Indiana for 24 hours, you'll see four seasons. You know, here, Keeneland, which is a gorgeous racetrack, and if you've ever seen, um, uh, oh, Sea Biscuit or any recent horse racing movie, pretty much any 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 horse racing movie that has been shot, um, Secretariat. It's you know if it it's been shot, it's been shot at Keeneland. It, it's a great racetrack. It's amazingly beautiful. It's one of the prettiest horse racing tracks you'll see in the country. Arguably the prettiest. And there's a standing joke in in Lexington where I live that. The first day that Keeneland opens, which is today, you'll have snow. And sure enough, we had we had sleet. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, it's like what the? Because holy cow! So I'm like, well, I was really not thinking I would be pulling out the cream stout, but I did because it got cold. And I am enjoying a very fine cream stout. I think one of us or several of us have featured this before from the St. Peter's Brewery. In um, in Bungary, Suffolk, uh, in the UK, I, a very fine cream stout, very smooth, very tasty. Pardon me, hmm, excuse me, very tasty. <laughs> yes, indeed, coming back up for a second round. Uh, <laughs> Tastes as good coming up as it does going down. Indeed, but is it, is uh, it, is it less filling? But tastes great. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Bravo. Uh, um. If you're not familiar with St. Peter's Brewery, they have a very distinctive bottle. It's kind of an oblong bottle, and they have very wonderful beer. And uh, I can't recommend their cream stout highly enough. It's it's outstanding beer. So that's what I was drinking tonight. Nice. And you? Love it. All right. Well, gentlemen, uh, I just poured this bad boy because I've been sampling some other beverages. But for the show, uh, I am going to be drinking, or actually trying for the first time, a beer from one of my uh, very good dear friends at the uh, the Three Floyds Ooh. Brewing Company uh, out of Munster, Indiana, the region. The, is, not the, the, the region. The region, which is where I'm from. Uh, this is called the Wise Blood, Wise Blood, Wicked Age Baltic Porter. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's what it's called. I'm still waiting for it to sell in the glass, and I poured it about a minute, two minutes. You haven't ago. tasted it yet. No, it's I. I was savoring it for the for the for the show. So, oh, so you really can't tell us anything about it. Well, I'm going to tell you about it right now. All right, all right, gentlemen. In three, two, one. Oh, damn, that's good. Holy cow! <laughs> oh my that's god! A- oh god! <laughs> oh, okay. The afterbite is like wow. Well, bad. Well, good. No, it, it no, it's good. It just kind of gives you like this massive alcohol, like like a burn infusion after. Yeah, holy crap. Yeah, that's that's good. <laughs> I like it. I might. Have, that's good. Yeah. 
Smooth. Smooth. <laughs> I was going to say, well, let's put it this way. I will take a picture of the bottle and I'll put it on the, uh, on the Facebook page. It's, uh, it's kind of demonic. What's it um, called I'm, again? It's called the Wise Blood. Okay. Wood aged Baltic Porter. Wood aged? So is it aged in bourbon barrels? Well, it just says wood, so who knows what the hell age. I'm I'm looking for an EBV on this bad boy. If I could probably focus here a little bit. <laughs> sounds sounds like it's up there. Well, you know, porters are not high. They're not in, usually. Yeah, they're not high in alcohol content. So I'm well, I've I've been just FYI, I've been imbibing before the show. So I, I'm guessing this sucker's maybe six percent, so it's not gonna get a Godzilla. No. But um That's okay. But that's okay, but it's very good. And uh yeah, the the uh, actually the, the front of the bottle looks a little bit like the new uh what the hell is that Mad Max movie that they did? The new the oh, reboot? Mad Max uh, Fury Road. Fury, yeah, that's pretty much what the, the front of the bottle looks like. So I'll take a Still? picture. I'll, I'll throw it on the Facebook page so people can see what I'm drinking right now. Still haven't seen that movie. Well, you know, I, I have to go watch it again because I think I missed something because everybody talks about how great it was. I'm like, I think I fell asleep. Uh, no, most most people don't know what they're talking about. It's my take on that movie is some screenwriter came up with some sort of feminist female empowerment movie set in a post-apocalypse setting, and then he went like, yeah, this won't draw in much of an audience. I said, well, how about if we just insert some dude, call him Max, and have him just mope around while these women do their tale of awesomeness, and he'll just sort of, again, emote and mope. And Wait, are, are you talking about Star Wars Rogue One? Oh, my no, God. Oh, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Because it no. sure sounds like Star Wars Rogue One. Again, I'm going to say it's... For what it is, it's, it's, if you took, you know, it's not Mad Max. It's, it's not even Warhammer close 40k in the desert. <laughs> yes, pretty much. Oh, great. I want Mad Max. But it does have Charlie's Theron, and it does have some, some hot chicks doing a, a story of, you know, female empowerment. Who cares? I want Mad Max. And, Ma and Max, there's a, again, there's a dude called Max there. No, he's not and, Mad and, Max. And he'll sort of, like, sit around and say, hey, can I do something? No, we're doing it. Sit back. Okay. You know. Wow. That's okay. My, now, that's, I will, I'm sure listeners will say, that's wrong. Ken doesn't know what he's talking about. And you're right. I don't. I'm over-exaggerating. But it's like it's not a Mad Max movie. It's it's not, you know, it's it does not feel like any other, you know, movie in that series. Not that they felt the same. Each one felt a little different. Well, we still need to do, we need to do Road Warrior. That's the best. We do. We can we can all get a can of dog food and just sit back. That's right, Dinky 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 Do or something like that. And I'll go get my ferret skin hat and put it on. <laughs> and your and your ferret skin uh uh loincloth. 
Well, you know, Jeff is the feral child. He, well, he is the feral child. <laughs> we'll get him as Razor Boomerang. And, and Steve is humongous. <laughs> he is a reasonable man. Thanks a lot. Reason. Appreciate that. <laughs> Let's get back to our movie. All right. All right. Well, what about you? All right. It's time for. Okay. Um, shit. I have no idea where my stuff is. Uh, is this work? <laughs> Hold on. It's now time for nope. Flashback Friday on Brother. What you drinking? That ain't it. Shit. I'll run downstairs and get some Wiedemann's. <laughs> Just go with it. Oh, my God. All right, Ken, go with it. All right. Uh, to tell you the truth, there hasn't been much going on in my life because the past couple of weeks have been full of work and stuff, and I haven't done a lot of entertaining. Uh, I did go out last Saturday, joined some folks at a place called Margarita's on the south side. Had a good time, but had to cut out early because I had dudes coming over to my house, uh, Jeff and Mark and our friend Brian, and uh, we were getting together for pizza and beers and gaming, and we threw down a game of zombie side and killed zombies. That was fun. I think everybody had a good time. Mm -hmm. Always enjoy it when guys can come over and hang out at my place. I think I'm in a good spot. The pizza was good. Uh, something I did tonight is I went uh, after work. Uh, Indianapolis's newest brew pub is a place called Metazoa, which is next door to my office. So at the end of the day, a group of us walked across the parking lot, went over and got beer. Uh, neat place. They're shaking the bugs out. It's only been open for about a week. Uh, Shows a lot of promise. I had their cream ale. Very nice. Very, again, uh, would have been really good on a hot summer day, but again, today was cold and sleeting and snowy, but it was still good. Uh, in terms of cream ale, you know, right down the road a couple blocks is Sun King. I think the Sun King cream ale is a little better, but their cream ale at Metazoa was certainly nothing to sneeze at. I, I did enjoy it and I'll drink it again. Uh, that's about it. My, my my exciting life is kind of dull right now. I, I plan to pick up the pace and uh, be more exciting as time goes on. Well, speaking of which, did you see what I sent you guys about the Indianapolis Museum of Art does their outdoor yes. movies in the summer? Yes. You saw what they're showing in June? No. Army of Darkness. Oh. <laughs> I mean, what a what a great outdoor night movie. I mean, that will be one where people will sit there and be reciting the lines. I think we need to get some primitive screwheads together and go Absolutely. down and see that. Absolutely. I, I am all for it. Now, remember last year, last summer, when you guys blew me shit because I was down at the IMA watching Singing in the Rain? There we go. Well, you deserve that. <laughs> well, get ready because this August... I will be going down to IMA to sit in and watch The Princess Bride with Carrie Elwes. Nothing wrong. Wow. Because you never get involved in a land war in Asia. <laughs> and when I'm there, I will not go up any Sicilians. When no, death with is death on the, is line. On the line. No. I don't wow. think that means what you think that means. No, the, the Princess Bride is definitely not a man cave movie, but it's a hell of a good movie. Oh. And if you have never read Carrie Elwes' book about 
the making of the Princess Bride or listen to the audio tape, I highly recommend it. I did not really? know he read a book. Yeah, wrote a he, book. he wrote a book about his experiences. And it is, it, it, everything, you know, the greatness of the movie is just accentuated by what you learned that these people really did have a great time behind the scenes. Yeah, wow. So those, it was it was a magical movie. It truly was. Now, for those listeners who have seen The Princess Bride but have not seen Glory, Carrie Elwes was the Dread Pirate Roberts in The <laughs> Princess Bride. And then like a year later, he's a major in the Union Army. Yep. But he's still good with a sword. Very handy with <laughs> a sword. In both, both movies, he can, he can handle himself with a sword. That's right. Oh, but he's he's not. But he doesn't have to worry about a six finger man in either movie. No, you know, and he does not wear a name tag that says "Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya." <laughs> <laughs> I did that once. I wrote, you know, you have those "Hello, my name is." I was like Inigo Montoya. Well, just curious, any other noteworthy movies or the uh, theaters outdoor sessions? I I didn't dig into them. Well, okay. I stopped at Army of Darkness. You- I just know what you know. One of my friends, she saw it, and said, we're going to see Princess Bride, so it's like, okay, I'll be there. I stopped at, I stopped at Army of Darkness. Yeah, All others one. pale in comparison. Okay. Steve, get us back on track. Back Please. on track. All right. All right, that's what we got with Brother What You're Drinking. We're going to go on to our favorite part of the show, and that is Clips. Clips, number one. The governor is proposing to raise a regiment of Negro soldiers. No, no, no. It was not just my idea. Mr. Douglas and We will us. offer pride and dignity to those who have known only degradation. That, that guy did look like Frederick Douglass. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's kind of creepy. The, the people they got look very close to what they had. All right. Number two. It's a collection of essays, actually. Claudia uh, Emerson, all the transcendentalists. You got pictures? <laughs> no. All right. Oh, no. I'll tell you what. This is the one I made a point of. They got Jeff Muncy to come in here and um, do the laughing for this movie. Okay. Let's hear it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, around Tennessee. Yeah, ran away when I was 12 years old. I ain't never looked back. Well, what you doing since then? I run for president. <clears throat> I ain't win, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, you're so right. Oh, bravo. Okay, just why... That oh brilliant <laughs> oh my gosh golf clap! All right, just want to say Jeff got the uh, he was the voiceover for that one. Uh, All right, and uh, Mark, mm. this one's for you and me because my God, <laughs> okay, going back in the day, you could appreciate this. All right, how many here do not know right from left? Jesus. This is your front. This is your rear. This is your right. And this. Now you're learning, boy. Oh, yeah. He shot him an evil eye. 
Not not naming any Polish names. <laughs> nope, nope, not at all. Jeez. I watched that scene. I'm like, holy shit, I've got to get this just for Mark. Pick one, Steve. Just pick one. Oh, God, that and the only damned fool I know in formation who would decide that he's hungry and has to have a bit of bread. It was a late day. Yeah. Okay. Did you bring it up for the rest of the company, Private (laughs) Michaels? (laughs) All right, next. The boy's your friend, is he? We grew up together, yes. Let him grow up some more. I see. Will that be all, sir? (laughs) Yeah. That was that scene. Yeah, the the, the, the sergeant schools the colonel. Right. Yep. All right, next. It is my job to get these men ready. And I will. They have risked their lives to be here. They have given up their freedom. I owe them as much as they have given. I owe them my freedom. My life, if necessary. Yeah, great quote. Yep. Well, he does. Yep, he does. All right. Um, here you go. Next. Guard! Jesus, Mary and Joseph, what have we here? Bonnie, Prince, Charlie, and his little toy bayonet. You're not reading your books now. Go on, go on. Get over. Get over. Now stab me. What? Stab me. Come on, stab, not tickle. <laughs> yeah. I would I would not do that. That would not be my leadership technique. No. All right, I tell you what, here this is the quote. This is uh yep, one of my favorite scenes. Last and not least. Oh, I see. So the white man give you a couple of stripes, next thing you know you holler and order and everybody around like you the master himself. Yeah. Nigga, you ain't nothing but the white man's dog. What are you? So full of hate you just want to go out and fight everybody. Because you've been whipped and chased by hounds. Well, that might not be living, but it's true as hell ain't dying. And that is what these white boys been doing for going on three years now. Dying by the thousands. Dying for you, fool. I know, because I dug the graves. And all the time I'm digging, I'm asking myself, when, when, oh Lord, is going to be our time? Well, time's coming when we're going to have to ante up. Ante up and kick in like men. Like men! You know, it's- and... There's a really neat part of that movie right before they assault Battery Wagner the night before where they really pay respect to um, the, the the faith that these men had. Right. And, and they're having that, yes. that spiritual moment. Yep. And it is really powerfully done and very respectful. Because they know they're they're going into they're going into a very bad situation, but they're 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 making their they're, they're making their peace, as it were. And you know what, Mark? That's a really good point. That is actually a very important scene uh, in this movie. Because they do. I mean, they know most of them are going to die. This is not going to be good. Yeah. And I think that scene where everybody has to actually say their piece. And that was actually an interesting role for um, uh does a Washington's character where he, I mean, cause he really does it. I mean, like the guy is just full, full of hate. 
he really doesn't believe in God. He has no religion. And he just has to kind of get up there and say his piece. Yeah. And, but I think in the end, he's like, you know, he, he had, you know, he made his, he made his peace with God. Yeah. And then he made his peace with the colonel. Yeah. Yeah. You know, did. where they're both like, this is a bad situation. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, you know, it, it's like that great line from Gettysburg where Longstreet says, you don't pick your nightmare, you just put your head down and get through it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm sorry, Ken, I stepped on something you were going to say, so I apologize. I forget what it was. So. Again, I give the director, uh, is it Edwin or Edward Zwick? Uh, Edward Zwick, a lot of credit because he took this material and handled it very skillfully as a director. And he let, he let some very good actors do their job. Um, it, it, I, I, I really, we, we haven't talked about him, but Edward Zwick's done a lot of movies, but I think this is one of his, one of his best movies. Um, he did Last Samurai, which is awful. Courage Under Fire, Legends of the Fall, which people either love or hate. Um, I like Legends of the Fall. Yeah, I yep. mean, you either love it or you hate it. Um, yep. Jack Reacher, another Jack Reacher movie coming out. The Siege. But I think Glory, which was his really second movie that he directed, uh, he, he, he has a very deft touch and it, he, he is to be applauded for the way he handled this material. Well, I'll tell you what, um, just quick sidebar of all the movies that you mentioned about him, I've seen a lot of those. This is his best. Yeah. Out of all right. of those. Yes. Without and and while we're on that subject, you know, the other thing that I think the, the cinematography is outstanding. Um, it, 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 it's beautiful. Uh, and the music is incredibly powerful. James Horner just knocks it out of the park. Um, with, with the music, it, it, it was, I ran out and bought the soundtrack. It is yep. just a terribly brilliant melding of, um, some Civil War period pieces yep. and Horner's wonderful capability with an orchestra. And this movie, you know, took home best supporting actor, best art, best cinematography, best film, best sound. And when you look at it, you know, we're, we're all very huge fans of it. And you mentioned it earlier, Ken. It kind of snuck up in the box office and it cost 18 million to make and it didn't clear. It cleared less than 27 million dollars, but it is really? still considered a very, yeah, it was not a box office bonanza, but it no. is, you know, it is considered. Um, a very, a very influential and, um, uh, transformational movie in the sense of it, it, it I wouldn't call it a cult classic. It, it and I wouldn't call it an art house class, art classic. It is just a classic piece of filmmaking that has found its way into, in, into cinema history. Even though it did not do, it did not do great at the box office at all. Which is actually surprising. I mean, from the Civil War buffs, I thought would have just... Eh, it's a limited audience. Yeah. Not that many of them. Yeah. No. Nah. And, it, you know, it took home a bunch of awards, and I think that probably gave it a bit of a boost after Denzel Washington won. Probably people went and checked it out. But it, it, did, not, it did not do great at the box office by any stretch. Hmm. Interesting. All right, folks. So we are moving on to... The top movies of what year was this? 1989. 1989. Ken, take it away. 
Uh, before I jump into the top ten, just a few movies of note that yes. did not make top ten. Uh, Field of Dreams. We talked about that recently. Yes. Good movie. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, Lethal Weapon Two. Lethal Weapon. They f- you at the drive-through. They f- you at the drive-through. Uh, you don't remember that, right? I don't remember that one. All I remember from Lethal Weapon Two is diplomatic community. Uh, I think what else is going on that year? I think that's about it, really, for stuff that really jumped out at me. Oh, I can share with the listeners. I think I might have shared this quandary once before, but in 1989, summer of 1989, on a hot summer day, I drove out to the uh, Eastgate Cinema, which no longer exists, paid my money, went in, and was standing in the hall. On my left, the theater was about to show Kenneth Branagh's Henry V, a pretty faithful rendition of the Shakespearean play, only set to film. On my right was Ernest Goes to Jail. <laughs> my God. And I honestly was going like, ooh, Shakespeare, Ernest, Ernest, Shakespeare. Hard choice. But I went and saw Henry V, and I thought that was a very good movie. But getting out of that, getting into, uh, oh, the, well, what, what other movie worth mentioning? Uh, is uh, License to Kill, James Bond. Oh, my I think God. That was a, I think that was the last Timothy Dalton. Thank God. James Bond. I kind of like Timothy Dalton. Oh, oh what? Oh, you and I, oh. Anyways, getting on to the top ten. Uh, at number ten. To put it in context, what Mark was just saying about the, uh, what Glory took in at the box office, at number 10, with $161 million uh, worldwide gross, born on the 4th of July. Tom Cruise, Vietnam, anti-war movie. Move on. At number 9, in no way can this be considered a man cave movie. Although many parents and little girls love it, The Little Mermaid. Ugh. At number eight, lots of groaning, <laughs> rough crowd. <laughs> At number eight, kind of disappointing movie, Ghostbusters 2. Keep, I'll keep reaching, hoping for a positive yeah. comment. You know, there, there was that's one of those where you, you just it never happened. Ghostbusters too, yeah, it yeah. should not happen. I prefer not to worry about it. Yeah. Uh, at number seven, honey, I shrunk the kids. An entertaining, goofy movie, not a man cave movie. Not but a man cave movie. But it, it's enter- It's an entertaining, goofy family type movie. Yep. It's a Disney movie. Yep. Uh, Rick Moranis was in it. Uh, I forget yep. who else. Right. Uh, at number six, Lethal Weapon 2. Which one was that? Again, Diplomatic Community. Oh, uh, 
the South Africans were smuggling Krugerrands or drugs. Yeah, or yeah. Okay. But they didn't have the hot oh. from the embassy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, number five, Dead Poets Society. Does not age well. I have to agree, although it got a lot of... It was seen as a very powerful... It is a very powerful movie. It, but it does not age well. It, the older you get, you look at it and go, you know, he really he really screwed these kids up. Well, yeah. The world sucks. You need to tough yeah. up. Yeah. I mean, there, there, I, I still do enjoy that movie in certain respects. Yeah. But I... But as I've gotten older, I've really disliked that. I better mention it's a Robin Williams, yeah, uh, serious drama. Yes. Uh, number four. Look who's talking. Oh, Kirstie God. Alley, John Travolta, and the Talking uh, Baby was from I think Bruce Willis. Yes, Bruce Willis, the, the baby. I, I maybe I don't know. Never it was the baby. It. Bruce Willis was the voice of the baby. God, they must have been paying him a crap ton of money for that. Oh, and it, it look who's talking actually turned into a franchise. I think uh, well, because Christy Alley had nothing else. Well, Christy Alley was okay back in those in, days until she found Weight Watchers. Hey, I found weight. I, I, I put <laughs> on a few pounds. I think we all have. Back yeah. off. Dude. Well, there's a few pounds, and then there's belly and up to the... Well, moving on. <laughs> At number three, a movie I liked, a movie we actually discussed recently a little bit, uh, Back to the Future, part two. Oh, yeah, that is actually a good... My daughter was watching it the other day, and I got sucked into it. You know, Back to the Future, Back, you know, Back to the Future Three is the weakest of the batch, but the first two I thought hung together really well, and I yeah. liked sort of the whole time dilation, you know, affecting the universe. A little thing changes, and what happens? I, I like that. Yeah. Uh, at number two, we're finally starting getting into man cave territory. Uh, I'll just throw it out there and see what you guys say. Batman. Michael Keaton, Batman. You know how I feel about superhero movies. I I just... Batman isn't a superhero. Hey, yeah. Or is he? He doesn't have superpowers. I, Whatever. I, I just... I, I'm a fan of the Christian Bale. The first two, not the last movie. But I'm a fan of the Dark Knight and the, the second movie. I just... That one, that just does not. Now, I will say this: Michael Keaton's Batman is ten times better than nonsense with Arnold Schwarzenegger and George Clooney. <laughs> Michael, but that's not Michael, hard. That's not. That's a low. Bar. I'm setting a very low bar. I thought Michael Keaton's Batman was. I like the contrast because, you know, when he was Bruce Wayne, he was. Not that impressive, but then he put on the suit and he kicked ass. I know, but I just kept thinking, I'm, any moment he's going to say, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also, I mean, that movie didn't have Jack Nicholson chewing scenery like uh, his business. It also had Kim Basinger, who I kind of like him. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's, it just doesn't, I don't think it holds up. Okay. It doesn't age well. Well... Well, I will say it doesn't age well because the Christian Bale Batmans are better, more adult, uh, yes. 
what I mean. A, a lot of things are better. Yeah. But the last one was kind of disjointed and just sort of trailed off. It could have been done. It could have been so much better. Uh, at number one, with 474 million worldwide gross, a movie you all saw, a movie I enjoyed. Although we can rank it however you want to rank it. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I love that movie. Love it. With Sean Connery. That is... Denim Elliott makes a reappearance. We didn't do that one? Not yet. We've only done Raiders. Holy shit. No shit. Oh, my gosh. I mean, the the, the Nazi SS (laughs) thug was awesome. The traitorous Austrian uh, babe, Mel Scholar babe, was oh the appearance crazy. at the book burning with Hitler. Yes, <sighs> it is a it it is a great movie. We we need to do that one. I blame Jeff. Yeah, you know we named the dog Indiana. <laughs> well, I like the I like the way it started out with you know yeah Boy Scout yeah out in the Boy, west Boy Scout Indiana. So yeah, I got a little and bit how of he, how he got story. the hat. Yeah, I mean it, it is a it is a great movie. And if they had stopped there, they would have been fine. Yeah, they, yeah exactly. Thank you. And they're doing another one, and he's coming back. Oh my god! Well, a thing I liked about yeah, I think a year after they did Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade again, they had those. At the very beginning, it was sort of an origin story with young Indiana Jones, his boy Scott, how to get, how to get, you know, the hat and the whip scar and everything. But then they had, remember they had that young Indiana Jones TV series, which was actually yes. pretty good. It's streaming either on Netflix or Amazon Prime, and it is fun. It's I mean, a boy's it's, own adventure. Yeah, I recommend any listeners that have that have access to yeah. it. Watch the old Indiana Jones Chronicles, or I forget exactly what. Yeah, they call the Indiana, it. it's either Young Indiana Jones or the Indiana Jones Chronicles. But basically, he's running through the early 20th century, bumping into everybody Bruce and everybody. You know, sort of a forest, a smart Forrest Gump, and yeah. like he shows up in World War One in the trenches, and he's in Africa, and you know, it's a, it's a cool little story. Yeah. But anyways, that's the top ten. So in terms of in terms of uh, good man cave movies, we got one. I'll say two. I'll say Batman's man cave movie, Lethal Weapon two. It's okay, but I mean, I don't think we're gonna like rank it up there. But it certainly is a man cave movie. So, but then kind of a you know kind of a dry dry year. Yeah. Field of Dreams certainly. Oh, I love that movie. We talked about that. Great movie. So that's about all I got to say. All right. Steve? Wow. All right. You don't like Field of Dreams? Communist. Just saying, never seen it. Hmm? Oh, my God. You've never seen Field of Dreams? Never seen it. Oh. Sorry. What a terrific movie. Steve, get it and watch it. Yeah. Really, it's out there. Get it and watch it. I'm Come just back saying, and I'm just saying, I played so much baseball from like the time I was playing t-ball through high school. I'm like, ah, I'm done. With it's baseball. a magical movie. It's not a baseball movie. No, it's not a, it, and especially at our age, you really appreciate it. 
Okay. Except for the line, you know, James Earl Jones always said, there's only one thing that is always there. Baseball. Yeah, baseball. All right. All right. There you go, folks. That is it with the top ten movies of 1989. And uh, those guys uh, give, kicking my ass about not seeing Field of Dreams. Well, it was a major event. It was like on cable every time you turned around for like five years. I know. I think I haven't seen it. I. It's got Ray Liotta in it. Uh, That's supposed to be like a plus. Yeah, I love Ray Liotta. Or James Earl Jones, Burt Lancaster. All right, whatever. All right, well there you go, folks. That's it with the top ten movies of 1989 and uh, our arguments over Field of Dreams. So we are now moving on to the checklist. Philistine. See? Do you see what I have to put up with, folks? I love you, Steve. See? And there's there's the one person I can count on in this Captain show. Captain Switzerland. <laughs> All right. My, my, my pikeman will be coming over to deal with you soon. Oh, Ooh, I'm quaking. All right, let's see. All right, for the Man Cave Movie Review Checklist of this Green Fantastic film, number one. Did anyone jump through a window? No. No. They did throw flaming torches through windows. There is that. So, no. Number two. If you want him, come and claim him. Was there a Liv Tyler role in the movie? No, there were only a few women at the beginning in Shaw's home. Yes. Yeah. And then a couple of, I think, black slaves. Yes. But other than that, no. Well, there was a secesh woman, but yeah, she well. got her retribution she had coming. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, let's see. Number three. Son of a bitch must pay. Was there a son of a bitch in this movie, and did he pay? Yes. The quartermaster. <laughs> he did pay, didn't he? Yes. Yes, he did. Nasty little cuss. Yeah. <laughs> that guy, I don't know the guy's name, but he's hes a good, I mean, hes you see him a lot. He's been in a million movies. Yep. Yeah. Yes. All right, I mean, next. I can't, I can't name them all. Yeah. <laughs> Was there a Wilhelm scream in this movie? Sadly, no. No. Plenty of opportunity. Plenty of good fight scenes. Oh, my slipped one in. Yeah, but no. All right, so uh, there was no female role, so we're going to skip the Todd Contain one. Was there a montage in this movie? I'll say no. No. I mean, if you if you want to throw in the whole drilling part, uh... but no real montage of trying to get ready for something. Yes. All right. All right. I agree. All right. Last and certainly not least. And so it begins. Was there a B five reference in this movie? I looked and I didn't find anybody. I did too. Because somebody wasn't here for the show. Uh, it is the time frame you would have expected somebody, a high probability that somebody would have been. I, I yeah. agree. I was like, I, I was kind of shocked. 
And a lot of character actors who were doing a lot of stuff at that yeah. time. A lot of TV. Yeah, but I mean, no, I, I, was I, I was digging down to the uncredited folks. You were too? Yeah, I was okay. like, shit, no one? All right. Right. All right. All right, so, yeah, there's no B5 reference to this movie, which, for this period of time, a little bit of a shock. A little bit. A little bit. All right. So that's it with the checklist. We are now moving on to the Man Cave movie review of this great and fantastic film. Mark, I'm sorry. I have to throw this one on you. Oh, all right. I, I thank you. Well, well, actually, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, I think listeners, I know a number of listeners gave us feedback on our Facebook page. They were very excited we were doing this movie. I think it's very clear this movie has a very special place in our collective um pantheon of uh, man cave movies um i think it is a it, it got me into reenacting i've always been fascinated and a student of civil war since i was seven and god love my parents for having the two volume set of the american heritage civil war that, that i you know i always tell my parents if you want to look for a reason to blame my passion for the civil war you guys are it you had that two-volume series with those great illustrations. In any case, um, I think this movie is probably, I will argue, the finest Civil War movie that has been made to date. Uh, it, it is very respectful of the material. Yes, um, it does. It does compromise some historical accuracy. No, Enfields did not have serial numbers, and flogging was not part of the United States Army regulations of 1861, revised. But for dramatic interpretation, among other things, they did take license. But they took license in what I, I regard as a proper sense to tell a, to tell a powerful story. Um, and I, I credit Edward Zwick, the director and the actors for treating the material, um, and the writers for treating the material with, um, nuance and sensitivity and thoughtfulness. Um, not only about the issues of the Civil War, but the black-white issues, the issues of will colored troops fight, um, the dynamics of uh, uh, of the internal discord amongst the men themselves and their willingness to prove themselves. And I, I think that this movie just really hits all the right notes. It's it, it it's a very thoughtful movie. It's a very um, intelligent movie in the way it presents the material. And it's a very human movie. Um, there are some powerful scenes that are just, they're not played for cheap emotions, but they, they compel emotion because you are given the opportunity to kind of, to look through these men's eyes at what they are asked to do, which is provide the ultimate sacrifice when they do assault Battery Wagner. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of this movie. Obviously, it has a special place in my heart because of, of the time period. But I, I have to give credit to the actors. They do a tremendous job. And um, they respect the material, and it has catapulted all of them onto other great things. And it, it holds up. Um, and James Horner's music is terrifically matched to the movie. Cinematography is outstanding. Um, I, I would say this is a movie, if you... You, it, that is also wonderful for educational purposes. 
that should be shown in high schools um, because it does tell the story of the USCTs and the black regiments in a very capable and balanced way and effective way. So all that I was, I went on probably a little longer, but I, I find this movie to be an outstanding piece of film and I'm going to give it a nine. Well done. Mark, I can't, um, I really can't say any more than what you did. I would give it a nine too. Ken? I was going to give it a nine too. Yeah. It just, it does, it does this, it does justice to the period on many levels. It really, well, that's it. It really evokes the period. Yeah. Right. No, I agree. And again, and you can forgive it. The times where they go off to, you know, make a point, they're, they're doing it with their heart in the right place. You can't sit there and get mad at them. You know, I, I get irked a lot at these people, that, you know, King Arthur. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> no. I, I agree. Does not do that. Yeah. It does not beat, uh, beat you over the head with an agenda. No. I want to share one little bit of trivia. We didn't do trivia, but I found one little bit of trivia that I thought was interesting. Okay. And, and you know, at the very end when they're marching to the beach and that one trooper that they encountered before says, you know, give him hell 54. Hell 54. Yeah. That's a screenwriter. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's he, got himself a, he got himself a speaking role in the movie. Well, and he looks great. Yeah, yeah. He, he fit the part. Yeah. He looks great. Very cool. Just had to throw that out. I thought that was unique. Very nice. All right. And that is it for the Man Cave Movie Review, episode 179. We're how many episodes away from Zardoz? Uh, 21. Not enough. Not enough. Just 21 unless we get a leap year. Just, just saying. All right. So that is what the Man Cave Movie Review, episode 179. Check us on our Facebook page at Man Cave Movie Review and give us a like and share us with your friends. Uh, you can find us on iTunes and at Stitcher and follow us on Twitter at Man Cave Movie. So until next time, I am your host, Steve Michaels, signing off with my very good and dear friend, Mark Bonnie Prince Charlie Slover. Ken, is you old man or is you old woman? I forget. <laughs> think I'm an old man. <laughs> <laughs> You're an old man. All right. And also saying farewell, adieu, and avia, Zane, is our other good and dear friend, Ken. Let me tickle you with my bayonet. Brody. There's only one thing I can say about the concept of ending this thing and going to bed, and that is faster, bang, faster, bang, faster, <laughs> bang. <laughs> Well done. Nice. Very well done. All right, folks, that's it with Man Cave Movie Review, episode 179. Check us out on our website and Facebook. Until our next show, ciao.